0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fire to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This episode of the Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland, a local sports bar we love. The ACO has shut down their entire side street, created an enormous outdoor space called the Town Gardens, and they filled that space with tables and huge TVs and their full complement of excellent food. It's big. It's comfortable. It's a great spot to watch the NFL, the baseball playoffs, and Warriors games with other fans while still staying safe. I love this spot. I love their food. I love their space. I love their TVs. The Athletic Club is now our go-to spot to watch all sports, especially the Warriors, and we hope you'll join us there. In fact, if I see anyone at the ACO in a huddle shirt, beer on me. The Athletic Club, Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again.
1: We're going to bring you on to our
0: huddle. You are in. The Wiz Huddle with me, Bram. No Marcus today, but with me, per usual, our master of all things sound, Maxime. How's it going? Maxime, special day, man. I couldn't be more fired up to announce that rejoining us after way too long, a man with 40 years of radio experience who's had his sports opinions ring out across the country in places like New York, Phoenix, Sacramento, and the Bay. The immediately recognizable voice of the golden state warriors for the past 26 years and a guy whose catchphrases i've stolen i don't know at least a thousand times over the past two and a half decades mr tim roy what's going on tim hey bram maxime what's
1: going on guys
0: it's great to see you man um and I'll start by admitting that whole stealing your catchphrases thing is not a joke. And I'm not just talking about like elevation sensation. Every time I say unbelievable now, I say it as three words and I blame <laughs> you for that, man. Um, and, and it's even more than that. I'll give you credit on one more thing. There have been so many times I've listened to your voice while watching a game and I've chuckled to myself when you're refing a game while calling it, it's one of my favorite things that you do. You'll, you'll throw out there, Harden reaches in, fouls Curry, no call, and then we immediately go on. And so I, let me take this chance to just thank you for doing that, man, because I, it's it's just one of my favorite parts about listening to the games.
1: It, it, I really should control that better, but no. sometimes I just can't. <laughs> um, and But I will say this, that from the beginning of my NBA tenure to now, I am much better at, uh, you know, softening that to point to be fair, you know, <laughs> and and a, a lot of times when I look at a replay, I'll say, I don't know how they saw that, but they saw that it's a great <laughs> call, you know, because really it's an impossible task. Yep. You know, you're running at full speed trying to referee people who are running at full speed. And, and plus the NBA is, the, you know, they're the best athlete athletes in the world. And, you know, they do things that, you know, shouldn't happen to human bodies. And so to be able to officiate that and keep it under control is a very difficult task to do. But, but I, I appreciate your support.
0: I will give you one more form of support on this and then we'll move on to our first segment. But what I love the most about it is the vocal inflection you use. It'd be one thing if you got all outlandish about it, you know, hardened reaches in like, this is so ridiculous. But what you do is you subtly even lower your vocal inflection as if it's less important, less outlandish, and then you continue on. So unless you're really paying attention, you've kind of snuck it in. So nicely played, uh, <laughs> But I tell you what, let's move to our first section. This one's called the glass half full. And the idea is pretty easy. What we do is we look back at a recent stretch of Warriors basketball and give something that stuck out to us that we liked or didn't like uh, over the past few games. And I'll give you a couple seconds to think. I'll give you something that I like to start us off here. I like that they're winning, but not just that. It's how they're winning. And last night was such a great example, Tim. They're playing a tough Charlotte team. The Warriors are rusty after three days off. Steph looks so bad that the TV guys said he was sick. And then we got confirmation of that. Kerr also mentioned that he was out of the or under the weather. And they still use defense and strength in numbers to win a game that could have really easily been lost. It reminded me a little of the 2015 first initial title run. So I'll start off with that. It's not the wins. But it's how they're getting them that's got me pretty fired up of this last week.
1: Yeah, and Steve has mentioned this a couple times where, uh, you know, it's really – it's strength in numbers. It's back, you know, and every night there's a different hero. And so, you know, last night without Jordan Poole, they lose that game. Jordan Poole was fantastic in the in the first quarter, and he he has really kept them going on in a game where they had no business being at there. to be down five, the way they played in the first quarter was remarkable, and so I love it. Every every night there's a different guy. One night it's Bealiza, Otto Porter. Juniors had a couple of nights. Damian Lee's been incredibly consistent. Who you can't take your eyes off Gary Payton the second when he's on the right. floor. Uh, so. I really like it. There's a good vibe on this team, a good mix of youth and veterans, and help is on the way. And I think that's that's got to be really exciting if you're a Warrior fan.
0: Well, and the joy is back. There's this clip of Coach Kerr last night pumping his fist, fired up after one yeah, of the plays. Yeah, he was fired up last. And night. I just love that We haven't seen that Tim for a while. You know, I mean, after after KD joined the team, you know, and it was nothing but remarkable success. And I'm I, I miss it. And I'm glad to actually have the wins back. But we kind of lost the joy that used to come with it. They became kind of a professional winning team, like the Yankees or something. And you know, now it seems like we are we're right back out there showing emotion on the floor and enjoying it and i'll I'll piggyback on the gp2 stuff i love his story you know i I love that he's a 15th spot on the roster who earned that spot via training camp but i also love his game i loved his athleticism my wife literally had to turn to me and tell me to calm down when i jumped out of my seat after he dunked on Ubre last night i mean it was i'm kind of used to her punking me it is what it is but it was just one of those things that got me all excited
1: yeah. You know, and it's it's so funny. You know, I'm looking at uh, Steph Curry's on off numbers last night and overall the, he's a plus nine point nine. Well, last night he was a minus one. Think about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, when he was on the floor, they were a minus one. And when he was off the floor, is when they really did their damage. And that's a great sign because how many years have we been, you know, literally or, or figuratively wringing hands when Steph would check out of a game? Oh, yeah. You know, especially the last couple of years, uh, or last year, he didn't play much the year before. But so, uh, yeah. And, and Gary Payton is, he is, he's a part of that. You know, you can put him on the floor and I almost guarantee you that in that stretch, he's going to either get a deflection or a steal. He's going to do something on defense to make the other team do something they don't want to do. And uh, I love it. I love the story. I had a chance to sit down with him for a Warrior podcast, and and uh, he gets it. He understands it. Like Clay Thompson, like Stephen Curry, he's the son of a former NBA player. So I think that puts him in a better mindset than the average player because I think they go in understanding there's going to be highs and lows and there's going to be moments mm-hmm. of joy and moments of despair. And I think that better prepares them for – you know, the grind and the politics and everything that goes with being an NBA player.
0: Do you think he likes being it? So this is me being a little bit of a homer. Um, I'll tip my hand. Not only have I been a Warriors fan forever, but I'm an East Bay kid, born and raised in Oakland. And then even more specific to that, I went to Skyline. And so Gary Payton, you you know, he's always got to been in my life. I, I, I even watched him at Oregon State as a Cal fan. Do you think that playing, I mean, We know that GP2 has been looking for a home, you know, so finding a roster spot anywhere is going to mean a lot to him. But after sitting down with him, do you think playing – I mean, they're no longer in Oakland, but playing for the team that is representing Oakland, does that mean anything more to him, do you think?
1: Absolutely. He said he, he can't wait for this because it's in front of family and friends. So uh, I think this is the perfect spot for him, too, because he's he's on a team that has established stars. So he doesn't have to come in and press to look to score. He knows they have scores and he knows they have guys that can pass. So he gets to do what he does. And I think being in the role that he's in, he's going to be able to progress at his own pace. He's not going to feel hurried. I mean, his shot looks so much better than a year ago. But I think the fact that he's always been in the shadow of his dad, but he's embraced that. You know, he went to Oregon State. He knew it was a big deal to go there, but he excelled there. Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, All-League Player. So I think he looks forward to that challenge and carving out his own little niche. And I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I love Gary and and but I think Gary the second has better hops. He gets up there.
0: (laughs) I I think that's fair. Um, And I mean, you occasionally forget that he's only six three. We had a couple of moments, uh, you know, that that alley oop from Steph last night was how many how many
1: six three guys do you see play in the dunker spot?
0: Yeah, that's right. That's exactly yep. right. Uh, and, and, and taking advantage of it so ferociously as he did. I, I'll give you one thing I don't like, and you tell me if I'm being ridiculous. So I will reveal to you throughout the night that I'm a homer and that I take things far too hard and I'm neurotic. Here's our first. The thing I don't like about the Warrior stretch, and it's not this year specific, I've noticed it the last few years at Chase, is how late arriving the crowd is at Chase. I've been to a couple games and like, even in the first like 30 seconds of the game, people are still coming down to their seats. that true after halftime too. Have you noticed that? And if you have, am I being ridiculous and not liking it? You know, I mean, it's fine, whatever. It's a, it's a new era and people should be allowed to get their beers as slowly as they want.
1: Well, there's a couple things going on here. Uh, one is the time is different. Oracle was a 7.30 tip. This is a 7 o'clock tip. Yeah. As we all know, traffic in the Bay Area really doesn't slow down until after 7. <laughs> so I think there's a traffic issue involved. And and let's face it, uh, the concourses and the selections at Chase are a lot better than at Oracle you know, Oracle, if you had a sell a crowd halftime, it's a struggle just to get around at times. It was, you know, it's an older building. Uh, but so I think it's a different option. I think it's, I look at it like it's a, like it's a golf shoe or a baseball glove. It needs to get broken in. It needs to have a playoff series there. It needs to, for people to, to get in there and, and, you know, say, okay, yeah, the, the, this we're focusing on the game tonight because this is a big game, and I think I think the fans will do that. One thing that's great, and one thing I've always said about being the voice of the Warriors is that I get to work for a fan base that doesn't need the scoreboard to tell them to get loud. Yep. They know what time it is. They know when it's a big sequence, and they, you know, they basically rise. They could get out of their seats when when it's going to be a big. You know series of plays so they know this it's a it's a great fan base and i'm so lucky um I, you know i understand what you're talking about but i i think we need to give it a year because it really hasn't had a real season yet you know we have had the COVID interrupted season with yep. no clay and no steph had last year we're, we're you know trying to get back with a quick schedule Um, I think, I think this is the year by the end of the year, hopefully it'll be a little bit different.
0: Yeah. It makes sense. And, and to add another logistical point that might be slowing people down, we're dealing with like the vaccine check and all the other stuff now. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you get, once we get through these logistics, maybe everyone will be back. Uh, Maxine, before I shoot us to the off-the-court report, anything sticking out for you, good, bad, or otherwise?
2: Well, yeah, I, I thought you might ask me now that we're in the glass-half-empty segment, and I'm serious, I'm coming up so short that I was going to make a joke about how I, they think glass-half-empty is that the Warriors put GP2 on waivers. Um, so glad we picked him up. But I just wanted to you know, double back to give a quick shout-out to Jordan Poole, because when we were talking about Gary Payton II being the second, having a dad um, in the NBA really helps you get a feel for the game I'm just so encouraged by the uh, the rebound, no pun intended, game from Jordan Poole here. Just coming out with 31 points after kind of being in a slump for the past couple of games, I think is, you know, it's just more reason to be excited about his play overall. For somebody to um, pull themselves out of a slump and have a great game, I think it bodes really well for the type of a player he's going to be over the course of an 82-game season and hopefully a 16-game uh, playoff as well.
1: Maxime, I brought that up because last night's a perfect example where we all have to pump the brakes. I do, Bram, you do, Maxime, you do, because what did we see last night? Who are the two best players on the floor for most of the night? Jordan Poole for the Warriors, Miles Bridges, Bridges for Charlotte. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jordan Poole is in year three. We would have never thought he could have a game like this in the first couple of months of his rookie season. You know, he just didn't see it. He wasn't shooting the ball well. He didn't have confidence. The game was way too fast for him. Miles Bridges, as a rookie, averaged seven points a game. And now he looks like he's on a... You know, a breakout. He's my vote right now for most improved player. Uh, So when we judge players coming in this league now because they're coming in, not just young with age, but young with basketball, they haven't had a lot of instruction. And so I think, it. you know, the NBA is far and away now a much more developmental league than when I started. When I started, you got guys coming out of four years of college. Maybe some guy came out of two, but usually those guys were MBA ready. Uh, now you're getting people that you have to teach how to play, and then teach them how to play in the NBA. So I think we all need to kind of pump the brakes a little bit, just to kind of, you know, make sure that we give guys time to grow in this era where we want everything right now and we want it on our phone.
0: I mean, of course you're right. Uh, and Jordan Poole exemplifies that so perfectly. I mean, it required that stint, that G League stint in the bubble to yeah. really jumpstart his confidence. And Absolutely, now we're seeing him yeah. take off. And at the risk of piggybacking even further, we needed him last night to make sure that wasn't just remembered as the Miles Bridges game. He was unstoppable to start off the game. I mean, he looked like a, a young Shaq with a three-pointer to begin last night. So mm-hmm. thank God for Jordan Poole to uh, to keep Bridges in check. Okay, let me push us to the the off-the-court report. So, Tim, this one you may remember, and what it contemplates is, look, if you're listening to this show, you certainly love the Warriors enough to watch every second of basketball they play. But as you can imagine, Tim has an advantage here. He covers these guys this year the way he has for the past two and a half decades. He's seeing them off the floor. So for this segment, I shut up finally, hand over the mic to Tim, and ask him if he has any stories from – off the court over the last few weeks. Tim, you got anything for us? Well,
1: I'll, I'll tell you that the travel is different. We haven't traveled a lot. Obviously, we're in the middle of an eight-game homestand when we're taping this. But, uh, you know, you're you're traveling with masks on. You get on the plane, you have to have a mask on. Uh, you know, there are certain restrictions in Portland. If we weren't actively broadcasting, we had to wear a mask. And huh. it makes makes the conversations a little bit difficult, but, but the one thing I will say that is interesting is that when you travel with a team, that's when you get to know them. That's when you get to have uh, a rapport with them, have a relationship and talk to people. I mean, uh, to be honest, I barely, you know, had a chance to meet Andrew Wiggins that first year. And then we went into COVID. So, you know, I'm looking forward this year to sitting down and talking with him and, and with James Wiseman. Same thing. Uh, so it, it's different. It's like I'm starting almost with with a lot of the newcomers like Porter and Bielitsa, but also guys who have been on the team that I haven't had a chance to have a lot of rapport with. So sure. it, it's 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 a different year. It's a, a year of discovery, if you will.
0: Oh, it's got to be weird also just venturing back into travel in the wake of a global pandemic. Um, I've been on a plane a couple of times and it was really surreal. Most of it felt normal, 85% of it. And then the remaining 15%, it'd be like waking up in a dream. I'd suddenly realize like, oh, this feels weird. It's, it's strange being back here. So there's got to be even just the logistical point of being out there has got to be a little bit strange.
1: Yeah. And it's different. You know, uh, NBA travel is different. It's a lot easier. You we screen in a private location. Not everybody has to get screened all the time. Once the season gets going because you're on this manifest constantly. So they know, you know, that uh, who you are, Um, you know, and and it's, it's it's different in the sense where. You know, I was telling you about Portland and they had mask restrictions there. I went to Oklahoma City. I did not see a mask. (laughs) (laughs) I was walking around with the mask on and people were looking at me like, what are you doing? You know, it's like, so, uh, so it's going to be different this year. I think every little place is going to have its own little wrinkle on, you know, pandemic and hopefully post pandemic, you know, uh, treatment.
0: What side I'd be upset if I didn't ask you this follow up. What's the key to getting to new, uh, know a new player? I mean, do you just let them come to you? Are you just slightly observing them, how they interact with others? So let's, uh, let's take Wiggins, for example. This year, what's the approach on getting to know them? Is it from afar? I mean, what, how do you do that?
1: I, I basically try to be totally professional. Uh, I don't want the player to think that every time I see them, I want something. Yeah. So I might wander over to... Um, say maybe a guy like Draymond and maybe we'll talk a little football for two minutes, you know, just to, you know, break the ice and say, yeah, with Andrew, I'm going to find out what that is. What can I talk to him about off the floor? Uh, You know, Kevin Durant and I would talk about football as well because he's a big football fan. Sure. So, uh, and, and, and basically just to let them know that, Hey, I'm here, I'm working with you. But uh, every time I come over to talk to you, it's not going to be an interview. Right. Uh, there's going to be some times where I'm going to have to interview you. So, you know, we have to have that relationship and just, you know, ask them questions. I think players and coaches are always willing to share knowledge if you go up in a, in a respectful, polite way and ask them, you know, a legitimate question. Hey, how do you like to guard this guy tonight? What are you gonna try to do with him? Are you gonna try to, you know, force a middle to get help? Are you gonna try to, you know, send them to the to the baseline, you know, or, you know that kind of thing, to, just to find out and let them know that you're interested in their success and how they're gonna do it.
0: Smart man, because you got to figure these guys are so used to almost anybody who approaches them having a secondary agenda. You know, and so to, to begin by showing like, look, I'm not over here to ask you for anything. I just want to interact has got to be the baseline for the exact kind of relationship that you want to build. Uh, let me push us to our next and final segment and the one I'm most fired up for. So this one's called, Tom. five. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I, I think you'll enjoy it. We'll find out. It's called five golden questions and it's our version of a mailbag. Generally speaking, they ask things only about the Warriors. They occasionally get personal, and today is slightly personal. We reached out, let people know that you were coming on the show, Uh-oh. and we had a lot of people <laughs> ask questions about your career. It's uh, you know, it's nothing too nasty. In fact, we got a couple of questions from our missing co-hosts. But I'll start here. Okay. Quote: After a six and one start, what are Tim's expectations for this team going forward? Should we be hoping for a fourth seed? We're expecting championship contention by the end of the year. What do you think, man?
1: You know, I think, I think it's still early. You know, I like to really uh, have a strong opinion about teams at the quarter poll, with the exception of teams that are really banged up injury-wise. And so, um, so I, I think I'm optimistic. But I, I still think there are questions to be answered. I still think they need to work on, you know, protecting the ball. Turnovers is a big deal with this team, and it has been, you know, with the way they play. So I'm thinking about that. I'm also thinking about the, you know, the reintegration, if you will, of James Wiseman and Clay Thompson. How do they get them up to speed inside? There's going to be an adjustment period that may cost them, you know, a game or two as they try to get used to all that. So I'm optimistic that they're going to be in the hunt, you know, first for the Western conference and then for a title team. I, I will say this, they are better than a lot of people thought at the beginning of the year. I think people are looking around going, Oh, the warriors are starting to become the warriors again. And I think that's going to be a cause for concern for teams around the league.
0: I completely agree with you. And I'll piggyback to say this, the people who have been watching the warriors from afar, And we're just aware of the success they had during the dynastic run. And Steph's fireworks have always focused, I would imagine, on Golden State's offense. And rightly so. It's the sexy part of this team. Mm -hmm. But it's not what was winning championships. And one of the things that's really caught my eye and has me way too optimistic is the return of this defense? It's how yeah. active they are with their hands. It's all the balls they're deflecting. It's everybody seemingly know what roles they're going to play. So, I mean, of course, you're right. We do have to wait. And there's a lot. There's a lot of basketball to be played and a lot of questions yet to be answered. But my optimism's through the roof, Tim. I'm go- I mean, I, well, someone's going to have to talk me off the these guys better win a championship ledge because I'm going a little bit crazy now. I'm just going to tell you.
1: Heading into game eight. And we're taping between game seven and game eight. Heading into Game Eight, the Warriors have the best defensive rating in the league, right? And they've already played the Lakers, the Clippers, the Hornets, who are good teams, right? So uh, that tells me that they have something there. That's it. That's it's a small sample size, but after yep. Game Eight, you're one tenth of the way through a season, so and you're heading toward you know twenty percent into yep. the season. So yep. I, yep. I agree with you. I think their defense has been really, really good. And it's across the board. They've gotten back to their switching persona. And, and one guy we have not mentioned who glues this all together when he's on the floor is, is Andre Yeah, you, know, you have him as a, as a glue guy. You have the defensive savant and Draymond. And you have guys that are getting after it like Peyton. That's a recipe for success on that end of the floor.
0: Take me to the other side of this coin. You've already mentioned it. I got a question directly on point. Quote, I love watching this team, but occasionally feel like putting my face through a wall because of the seemingly sloppy play. Why is Golden State so turnover prone? Is the system they are running? Or literally just lapses in judgment. So I'm wondering this, Tim. Well, I mean, I, you know, the the Warriors, even when they're at the highest of their heights, when they were winning championships left and right, were still a little careless with the ball. So is this Coach Kerr's system, is it just a, a, you know, a necessary downside to a ball movement heavy offense, or is there something else that's going on?
1: Two things. One, it is a read and react system. It's reading how the defense is playing you. And then reacting to that. And so when that happens, you have to have two players who are on the same page. You know, if you're cutting back door, the guy with the ball has to understand that that's the read you have made and that's where you're going. And so there's that. So you're going to have some miscommunication, especially when you have new teammates and, and people who are running this kind of system for the first time. And, and the second thing, it's, it's their personality. You know, they're a free and easy team, and that's why they come up with those incredible plays and runs. So every now and then, that free and easy, they think, Oh, I can throw it in there. And, you know, looking at it from up top, you're going, How could you think you could have squeezed the ball (laughs) in there between four guys? I mean, you know, but, but that's their personality. So you have to live with some of that. What you can erase and take away are the ones where you're, it's just out and out careless. Those are the ones that kill you. And I think if they, if they eliminate most of those, then they're going to be hard to beat night in night out because, you know, th- those are the ones that get them into trouble. And they were fortunate last night. They should have been down more, but their defense and Jordan pool kept them in the game.
0: I'll tell you one that drove me crazy. Another instance where my wife had to remind me how old I am and that this is just a game that I should calm down. Get in watching, Yeah, it is what it is. But it was Draymond's eight-second call against Memphis. I don't don't know know. the last time I've seen an eight-second call anywhere, and that it was at that point in the game was so frustrating. But
1: but it happens once in a while. Donovan Mitchell in the bubble playoffs got an eight-second call. You know, walking the ball up the floor in a fourth quarter of a playoff game. No, you're absolutely lost right. track of time. And so it happens. It happens. And in, in, but I, I will say this. I agree with you. I never thought that I'd ever see Draymond Green be the guy with the ball.
0: Never. No, I so much. Never. So much so that I was literally screaming at the uh, at the television. There's a terrible call. There's no way it's eight seconds. Meanwhile, Tim, they're showing the clock. I mean, like, you know, it's an objective fact. Like, it was definitely eight seconds. So I was wrong on that.
1: Their uh, trigger for that is 15. If they see 15, they actually give you like an extra second, basically. (laughs) And they, you know, because, you know, who knows? Maybe the 24 second Clock went off, you know, prematurely, make that reset quickly. So they give you the 15 when they see 15, they have to call. And (laughs) so uh, Bill Kennedy was right on top of that. And and you know what? I don't want to single out Draymond on that because that's a that's a team thing. He had four other teammates on the floor that should have said, you know, hey, get it across. And, and you had a whole bench full of people there, too. So that to me, that shouldn't be a turnover on Draymond. That should be a team turnover because there were a lot of other people that could have alerted Draymond. But everybody got caught up in the moment and, and didn't see it.
0: That would be me to give you a sense of my personality in the locker room afterwards. If anybody gave me any crap about it and I was Draymond, I would have suddenly mentioned you couldn't have given me a warning. You know, there's nothing yeah. there. You're, you're looking at the clock, you know, where the hell are you,
1: are you uh, checking the stock market? You know, yeah, exactly. Right. You, you know, know, that's
0: right. That's yeah. why you're on the bench. You, you can exactly. actually watch these things. All right. Next two part question comes okay. from our absent co-hosts. It's Rusty who you know, and then Marcus, yep. who you've worked with a while back. The first one's from Rusty Simmons. Rusty writes quote, Make Tim tell you a story from his minor league hockey games. Oh. They are always phenomenal. So on behalf of Resty, who I'm sure is listening, oh. what do you got, man? So I I, I know that is it the Utica Hawks? I did a little bit of research. I know that you did Itica. Yeah, There you go. Uh, I know that you did this for a few years.
1: It's a, it's a, it's a Greek word for forlorn and very cold place. No, um, <laughs> it's... Um, it, it it was cold in the wintertime there, but so I was lucky though. I went to a small college because I went to a very small Catholic all guys high school in Connecticut. So when I went to Syracuse and Boston University with the thought of going there for communications and broadcasting, I was just overwhelmed by the size. You know, I would have gotten swallowed up there and, you know, I'd be, you know, selling hot dogs, I think. But um, the, uh, so what happened was I, I went to the this place, Yuca College, the, the Syracuse uh, guy told me, hey, check out that school. They have a brand new radio station. It's a smaller school. You'll probably get on the air right away. And sure enough, I went there. It it felt a little bit more like me. I got there. And at the end of my sophomore year, I was hired by a local radio station to do minor league hockey, to be their backup minor league hockey announcer. Huh. Because the main guy was also the program director for the radio station, and he didn't want to do all the travel. So I would get the game where you, you played at home and then got on a bus and rode to Nashville, which is about a 17-hour ride. And then you would play Nashville the next night. Those those are the ones I got. Right? Yeah, so, weird, yeah. <laughs> so um, – you know, you had to take electives in college, and I put off my science elective until the very last. And the only class I could get in was biology. So I'm on the New York State Thruway in this old bus with the Utica Mohawks team from the Eastern Hockey League. My junior year, and or might be in my sophomore year, might be my sophomore year. And so anyway, um, I've got a biology exam the next day, <laughs> and. I am cramming on this bus while we're going to Erie, Pennsylvania. It's about a five-hour ride. That was our closest opponent. And so uh, the Boston Bruins had just sent down a, a guy named Hank Nowak, kind of an enforcer type, big guy, big winger, going go in the corner and hit somebody. So he was mad. He's mad because he got sent down, not to their American Hockey League franchise, which is like, the G league, but got sent down to uh, Utica, which is a step below that. So he's angry and he's on this bus. He had just gotten in there in time to make our bus and go off to Erie. We go and he sees me and he kind of comes over to me and it was a, it was a springtime, I think probably March and it just started to warm up a little bit. And so we had some of the windows open on the bus and he goes, what are you doing? (laughs) I said, I got a test tomorrow. You know, I haven't even met this guy yet. He goes test. I said, yeah, I'm still in college. He goes, we don't study for tests on our (laughs) bus. And he takes my biology book and dumps it through the window out onto the New York state thruway (laughs) with all my notes and everything scattering cars, trying to avoid it, the whole bit. And, uh, I got two C's in college and one of them was biology (laughs)
0: It's a it's a miracle that you got to see in there, and it's also um, and if you're choosing between a black eye from Hank Nowak or a C in that test, I think you made the right call, uh, You know, it's like it's, you you're right, Mister Nowak. I shouldn't be studying. Thank uh, you so much for the advice. Yeah,
1: the minor league hockey and and really the minor leagues. That's where you have all your best stories. That's where the you know because <laughs> all the you know there's no luxury jet waiting for you to to whisk you off somewhere and and. It's it's really where you learn, you know, whether or not you love the job. Because if you put up with some of the stuff you put up with down there, you love the job.
0: So, What'd you say? So your 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 notes are scattered behind the bus. You can no longer he, study. What do you tell Hank?
1: Well, he stormed off to the back of the bus, and I looked around. The rest of the team was laughing at me. So I just said, "Okay," uh, went, went and opened my. Uh, hockey notes and start prepping <laughs> for the Erie Golden Blades.
0: Yeah, I mean, what the hell else can you do? That's exactly what right. I could do.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, the other story about that is that the Erie Golden Blades announcer really was very nice to me, took a shine to me, and ba- basically gave me do's and don'ts and, and you know, always checking in on me when I would uh, see him at games. And, uh, he had turned out to be one of the best soccer announcers in the country. His name oh. is John Paul Della Camera and he's done everything from, you know, the gold medal women's game against China to, you know, all kinds of high-level World Cup-type matches, and so Um, you know, it it was really weird that you, you know, at 19, you meet that guy in the minor leagues, he's there with you. And then he goes on to have that kind of a career. It's really cool. Yeah,
0: sure. I mean, it it speaks to the breadth of your career, man. Uh, Here's our follow up. This is from our other host, Marcus. What current or former warrior would make the best hockey player? So I, I've Ooh. got uh, to get give you some time to think. I, I've got an answer for you, but I don't think it's a very good one. So I'll, I'll reveal to you that I'm not that big of a hockey guy. Born and raised in California. I don't okay. have a lot of experience in real weather. But here's my guy for you, Chris right. Mills. And I don't know if he can skate, but I'm viewing him as like a Hank uh, Nowak kind of guy. Oh, yeah. A tough minded oh, yeah. defensive stopper who'd be willing to toss the gloves and battle anytime you needed him. You know, you, didn't he board the jailblazers bus? So I, well, Chris Mills is my guy.
1: That's a subject for debate as to whether or not he actually got on the bus. <laughs> but, um, you know, he definitely was, well, he and his friends were in the neighborhood. Put
0: it that way. <laughs> okay, fair um, enough.
1: And, and yeah, that's, if you ever want to read a good account of it and the guys in the blazer bus were very concerned, uh, (laughs) there's a great book by Kerry Eggers called jail blazers about the blazers and how they went from, you know, five minutes from being the Western conference champion, going to the NBA finals, probably going to win the title, but the Lakers make that big comeback. And then the franchise kind of dissolves from there for a while uh he has an account of that in in his book so i would uh, check that out but i'm gonna go in a different direction and that's because uh he has offspring in the nba in the nhl and that is popeye jones who had a cup of coffee his kids grew up in denver he ended up you know. Playing and coaching for the Denver Nuggets, and he's had a couple of his sons, including Seth Jones, who have uh, made uh, the NHL. And Seth has been probably in the league since around 2012, 2013. So That's incredible I'm go knowledge. With
0: Popeye. And yeah. I, I of the people who I would not like to see, you know, in the ring fight in any uh, arena would be Popeye Jones. I think I'd like to avoid any kind of fight with him, especially one on ice. So that makes sense. Yeah
1: well yeah that, that the um yeah Chris mills is an in- interesting choice yeah he's a guy that uh very very tough customer nice guy I loved him I always got along great with him and, but and- uh, you know the after the Portland thing the next time we went to Portland uh he was injured but he's traveled with the team. So being the wise guy that I am, I walked in the locker room for the game and I just put my arm on his shoulder. And said, don't worry. I got your back tonight.
0: So. <laughs> did he find it funny? What <laughs> yes, was he, did. Yeah, he, he started
1: laughing because, Oh, that makes me feel so much better.
0: <laughs> I love that enough. We're all continuing oh. ongoing theme of transparency. The main reason I gave you Chris Mills, although I stick by, I think you could be a good defensive player. I wanted to pick a name, Tim that screamed to you. Oh, Bram's been rooting for the warriors for a while. I mean, like yeah. literally I, I wanted to go further back. And so hopefully I was able to communicate. That. I'm not sure how it landed, but that's that's what I was hoping to do. You
1: know the the, the holy grail name of that of of, of people of, of your generation Montego is Montego Cummings. Cummings. Everybody exactly. mentions him. <laughs> I don't
0: it's know, because of how name, strange the name. You know. Uh, yeah. And if and if you want to go one further, the other thing we say is his headband. You know, we, we go out of our way right. to be like, okay, not only Montego, but also and uh, Yuri Welsh is one of those. You know, like uh, now, one of those random names that comes out.
1: Now here's here's one for you, and you can check this on my Twitter. I went up in July. Was it July? I can't remember when it was because everything was thrown off this year. Maybe it was after that, before the California classic, the Kings, the great idea. It's two extra summer league games. And the only team in California that doesn't want to do it are the Clippers for some reason. I don't know, but (laughs) so Miami, who's always looking for extra work, they fly in. So we're sitting up there and I'm, up there with RC Davis and Kevin Dana, and they're going to do the game. They're streaming the game. And there's a guy below the little mini press box there in Sacramento. He's got a Yuri Welsh jersey. Oh, up.
0: was it Yuri Welsh?
1: Yeah, no, it wasn't Yuri Welsh, but I'm just saying. That was the most random jersey sighting I've seen in years. I mean, it, that it, was just like, oh my! I didn't even know how we made them.
0: I no, mean, I, was like, I yeah. admit, that was definitely personally made. You know, and, yeah. and if it wasn't Rick Barry, because I feel like Rick Barry had a crush on Yuri Welsh, if I'm remembering that right, it must have been some member of Yuri's family. But I guess, uh, I guess we'll never know. Oh, uh,
1: he was he was looking really good in preseason until he, he had this really <laughs> bad finger injury his finger got caught in the jersey of an opponent and it ripped the the little uh area that little sort of um what's the word i'm trying to think of like the uh, webbing
0: between the fingers that yeah thing? the webbing yeah.
1: between the two fingers It ripped it wide open Ugh. and he just never had that same fire after that i don't know why but it just uh just took rip- out of him
0: the like remarkably nice to say that the reason why Yuri Welsh's career didn't take off was because of a finger injury early. You know, I I think you may have seen a a, a fire in him that the rest of us may have missed, but I'll, I'll throw you this final softball. And if I'm being honest with you, I think it's the question I'm most excited for. So quote, When you look back at your career as the Warriors play-by-play guy, what moments immediately stick out? So not your favorite moments, not that kind of thing where you have to, like, you know, give me your top three and define it out. Just those ones that pop up to the top of your mind instantaneously when you look back.
1: Um, boy, with the Warriors, I would say, uh, you know, obviously winning the, the title in '15. <laughs> Cavaliers to bring it up, Warriors 105, Cleveland 97, J.R. Smith, six seconds, five seconds, the jumper is no good, Curry the rebound. It's taken 40 years, but once again, the Bayes team is the best team. The Golden State Warriors have won the NBA title. Final score, Warriors 105, and the Cleveland Cavaliers 97. And the Warriors win the 2015 NBA Finals, four games to two. The Warriors have gone from years of being a punchline to the front of the line. One of the things I'm most proud of was that I somehow remembered with a couple of minutes to go to mention that I wish Bill King had been still alive Mm, to witness this. He would have been so excited for this, Uh, and especially the way they played. That's one. And then in November of 2011, after we had played – somewhere the night before we flew into new york and they gave us an option somebody knew somebody who knew somebody and there's only a handful of us who took it took advantage of it and they bust us down to 9-11 and hmm. at, this is two months afterwards and they walked us through a firehouse and their hats on the fire hats on the lockers of the guys that didn't get out yeah and we went to the roof. And it was still all torn up. They're basically just trucking away ash at this point. It was still hmm. smoldering. Wow. And this was in November. And it just was a really sobering moment. And that's one that I'll, uh, I'll never forget.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, well, Tim, I've kept you longer than promised. And I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it. Um, and I am positive that I'm not the only person feeling that way for those out there who need far more Tim Roy in their life, where can they go, man? Where can we find you?
1: Well, uh, right now we've, I've kind of pivoted here, uh, in this year away from the weekly show. And now I do a podcast. I do a podcast every week. It's like you. And I'm, I'm asking people to move away from the Warriors huddle podcast. Mm -hmm. What I'm asking is to add the Warriors podcast to it. And so that you can get all more, even more, warrior info. Uh and so I'm I'm doing that you can find that at the website and really happy with it. Got I uh, did a really fun interview with Jordan Poole in preseason mm-hmm. uh, where he was giving me, you know, music references to check out. Um you know, and I talked to Gary Payton as I mentioned and Mark Spears. We did one this week. I dug this interview out of the archives uh with Larry Steele, uh, Larry Smith. Mr. Me. Yeah, sure. and uh, I had done this years ago, and I think during a lockout one year, when we couldn't talk to active players. And so we dug that out because it's just, we're celebrating 75 years this year. So it uh, really worked out well. I just need to find a picture of the, the guys in the hard hats on the baseline. Yeah, that's right. So, and, yeah. and
0: dancing to the to the Pee Wee Herman song yeah. that they used to play exactly. as, as he would go on. That's, <laughs> that's exactly right. I used to love that um, um, when I used to go to the games. So, again, um, I'm
1: not trying to – I want people to come here and check out the warriors out all the time but when you have uh, some free time check out the warriors podcast as
0: well hey. I will uh, pimp that myself, as you can imagine. I'm a fan of it, and if you're listening here, you already knew this, but you just heard the breadth of Tim's experience and the relationship he has with these players, and that's really, really, really shown in those interviews and on that podcast. So, if you, I mean, if you like this show, you'll love that one. Go check it out. It's a phenomenal pod. If you have uh, any feedback for us, you want to let us know we did a good job, terrible job. I need to listen to my wife and and. calm down a little bit. We can be reached at, Maxine, what's that email address? Huddle at warriorshuddle.com. Boom. And we're still on social media. I think it's only one place, Twitter, where we are at Warriors Huddle. We appreciate you guys. With that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, we'll see you next week.